We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, hey, listen to that. That brand new intro means this is officially the start of year five the of start the of year five. Don't do that to me. The start of year five. That's a, that's kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. If you've cool. listened since the beginning, it's now uh, about a day and a half of constant listening if you listen to all the episodes. Is it We're really? Like you're 326. You're, you're keeping tally. Like 32 hours worth of listening. Sheesh. So we're getting there. Wow. Not quite a day and a half, but we're getting close. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you to all of you that have listened to all of them. Some of you some of you writing to us and saying, hey, I found the podcast two weeks, two weeks ago. I'm going through them all. <laughs> wow. Bless you, madam or sir, because yes, that's yes, a lot of us kidding. in a short period of time. And if you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast, we would welcome that because that is what keeps us in the top 10. And share it with your friends. It's the, this is the main reason that the podcast grows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's at a level sure. already that we kind of can't believe. Thank you for that. We're going to do the normal dog and pony show tonight. We've got uh, two car debates. We've got so many great questions. I almost wanted to just talk questions, but we've got to talk Monterey and raffles and news. And I want to have a Lotus lesson. I mean, how long are we going to be here? Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah, the music marks. We're a little late on the music, as a matter of fact, to mark the start of this new podcast season. But hope you enjoy it. We're really, really excited to continue doing what we do. and, And it just seems like people ask... When are you guys going to run out of stuff to talk about? What? I, How would that happen? I, I don't understand. Yeah. No, it, it's you alluded to some news, and it's a report based on a AAA study mm-hmm. and polling mm-hmm. about car ownership still being cheaper than using Uber or Lyft or mm-hmm. ride sharing service. And we want to touch on that. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, we've got, as you said, uh, some questions that resonated with me about the uh, the Monterey weekend that I am currently at as yes. you listen to this. Happy Friday. Paul is in Monterey and I am not. Exactly. That's what's you're, going you're on. Gone. Yeah. Hopefully you had a really cool meetup last night. <laughs> I'm exactly. speaking. I'm speaking into the future as if it's the past. That's I'm a that little good. Weird. I'm that good. Yeah, but hopefully, we had a great meetup last night at Turn Twelve, and I got to uh, meet some people and talk to some people. And I will say this: if you meet Paul or me or Chance, any of us anywhere, would you do me a favor? Uh, connect the dots for us as to oh, who yes. you are. Yes, good because idea. Because there's so many names swirling around. What we end up connecting with, and I've noticed this on a couple of meetups we've had. If you tell me that I know you from this email exchange we had or this story that we talked about or whatever or this question that you asked, that instantly grounds me in who you are. And I think you're the same way. Very much so. I, I remember the story and the cars rather than mm-hmm. your Instagram handle or yeah. you know, maybe we don't know your full name or totally, something like that. Totally, yeah. So yes, it helps. It helps for sure. Ground it there. Guys, the episode one of The Electrics is coming this Saturday, so that is a repeat. That's on Velocity, yeah. On Velocity, but episodes one and two are available currently on Amazon Prime, and the rest of the season is coming shortly, so continue to watch for that. In fact, I think episode three is up on Amazon. We hope so. Amazon actually sent us a little note and said, by the way, our processing is slow right now, so at least they acknowledge it. We expect three to be up by the time you hear this, but if it isn't, know that it's coming soon. Episodes one, two, and three are available on Vimeo if you're anywhere outside the U.S. or the U.K., and I'm saying U.S. specifically because, un- unbelievably, North America isn't, like, the category. Canada can't even get it on Amazon Prime, which I don't understand. Yeah, I don't either. So if you're outside the U.S. or U.K., it is Vimeo for you, and it is uh, episodes one through three. We've got the rest of the season coming quick. Yeah, we do. Plus, we're shooting season four. I can't believe it. Thanks to our sponsors for season three, Covercraft, Grios Garage, Auto Tempest, and Brush Hero. Really appreciate it. They have really helped get us on TV. and For sure, uh, for sure. We're, we're pushing forward. As you said, we're uh, starting to shoot a film. 
mm-hmm. some point very soon here, but Future we've already started. Season four, which is crazy. We've got a meetup in Utah coming, and the list is growing, which is awesome. Yes, yes. I'm a little overwhelmed, to be honest, with the amount of people coming. It may be the largest meetup we've ever had, and it's in our backyard, which is actually really, really cool. No kidding. Uh, The mini raffle is going well. Uh, no purchase meant necessary. Void were prohibited. I just, I just have to say that it's almost fun now. <laughs> anyway, so that's there. But the, the mini raffles you just going like well. Using legal jargon. That's all you. I, that's like. so me. That's so very me. I'm so it official. Is. But no, it, it exists, and it exists to a point where I feel confident that the mini's going to somebody. I don't know who yet. It's going to be a random selection that's yeah. done by computer, which is good because you don't want me doing it. But uh, <laughs> the mini is going to go to somebody, so that's cool. That'll, that drawing will happen a couple weeks before our Utah meetup. There are even some of you that have said you might come to the meetup and take the mini home if you win it, which would be kind of cool. Oh, that I is have to cool, say. We'll see what happens. Very cool. All right. Well, there's a piece of news that we want to touch on here briefly, mm-hmm. and that is the article done by AAA. So that is the Automotive, Automobile Association of America mm-hmm. here in the U.S., mm-hmm. and they really kind of went after appalling in a study of actually a pretty good slice of major metropolitan areas, the larger cities where they compared the cost of ownership and driving and included Mm -hmm. insurance and parking and your general car costs against taking an Uber or a Lyft or a ride-sharing service, something like that, as your Mm -hmm. daily Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And based it on the average amount of miles driven, which was close to 11,000 miles. Yeah. It was like 10, 10, 8 or something. 10 yeah, 11, yeah, somewhere yeah, totally. in there, which is about the average mm-hmm. driver. And I thought this was a pretty interesting conclusion. I mean, they studied Agreed. everything from Seattle to Nashville to Chicago and came up with this you know, ride hailing costs on single rider trips in these 20 urban markets here. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting and kind of an intriguing it's- conclusion. To think that wow, it's still cheaper to own a car. Actually, it was it. It comes out, and I and I want to talk about the potential holes in this story. Actually, but it comes out that it's two to three times more expensive to not have the car in this equation to deal only in ride sharing. Now they did a couple things that I think. Uh, make this a little weird, but at the same time, the problem with a study like this, I feel like, is you and I have this issue when we compare cars, and we compare cars in like a segment like the five-seat CUV. Mm-hmm. You have to draw the line somewhere. You have to go, these are the rules, mm-hmm. and we're stopping here, okay? They decided these are the rules. They decided they're going to they're gonna deal with roughly 11,000 miles a year, and they're going to deal with the ride-sharing costs includes a few times a year you're going to have to rent a car, which my sister lived in Manhattan for a while, and she did this. She rented a car a couple times did a she? year. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So All you right. have that. So so they did they did thinking along those lines, and then they also are comparing against the cost of buying an average-priced new car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's the thing. This gets weird in a couple places, and, I, and I, want to, I want to give the caveats, and then I want to dig into this a bit. First off, I don't know if you don't have a car, like you don't have a car at all, if you're ever going to take a rideshare or a car rental anywhere close to 10,000 miles a year, I just think, like Manhattan is the best example. I think you're going to, to utilize, because you don't have a car, sure. friends, buses, you're saying public transports. I don't think you're ever going to do as many miles as 10,000 a year. I think it's probably going to be five or six, even if you rideshare all over the place. That's the first mm-hmm, thought. Mm-hmm. But the second thought is, you also, the other parameter is, you could buy a used car. And save tons of money and flip this equation again. But AAA had had to, they kind of had to set their rules somewhere. So they just mm-hmm. went, let's go average miles, let's go new car, how does it equate? And it's like two or three times more expensive. Yeah, I think it's a bit contrived just from the idea of, hey, let's go study this to begin with. 
I'm not sure why they're trying to compare this because ride sharing has never meant to replace your car. That is not the positioning of taxis or ride sharing or any alternative kind of transportation. It's mm. meant to single use. I need to use it here and there. You're not commuting using ride sharing. You're commuting you wouldn't. in it's your car or expensive. a train or yeah. something like that. So it, it's it's a bit contrived, like I said, from the get-go to, to think, all right, I'm going to pay every single day. I'm mm-hmm. going to use an Uber when a 10, and get miles to work a and this, try yeah. to rack it up. It just seems like you don't even have to study it. Of course, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I do wonder here because, look, you could also say this is a biased start because who's doing it? It's AAA, and, and obviously their business is cars and insurance and that kind of thing. I get it. Right. But at the Based same time, time well, you know, this feels yeah. like the offshoot article of the, the now over overdone article of millennials don't like cars and don't want to buy them anymore. They only want to subscribe to things. <laughs> this is a standard. I could practically write that article <laughs> half asleep for any publication on the planet. It's been done so many times. This is an offshoot of that, that if you're not going to own anything and you're only going to subscribe to stuff, what's it going to cost you? Sure. But it gets murky quick. I, but I have to say, in spite of all of that, I was still surprised reading this at how divergent the numbers were. In terms of the I didn't expect the population cost. density or... No, 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 no. I mean, the straight up, cost. The, the cost of doing the 10,000 miles a year in car rentals or ride share, I did not expect it to be the better part of three times more expensive. That was a genuine surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Even though I yeah. don't think you're going to do that many miles, that is wickedly more expensive than owning your own car. And of course, we talk used cars all the time, which saves you more. Yeah, and the conclusions by AAA really came down to the same kinds of recommendations. How to reduce cost of ownership. Yeah. Here's our recommendations. This, this, and this. Drive less. <laughs> buy cheaper fuel. You know, my, my favorite buy one, an electric car. My favorite one was don't buy premium fuel, and when cap- gas prices go up, slow down. I thought, yeah, you're not, you're not writing to me. You just aren't writing <laughs> no, to me at all. You yeah. are not your target. Well, yeah, it's it's an interesting study, but I come back to... I'll say data for the point of data. Okay. okay. And I actually got into a conversation with this with a guy who worked with at Waymo. You had way more conversation about this? We did. We had got Waymo yeah. data because they're consuming, they're generating data. They're consuming data they like crazy. And the conversation came down to all these apps. And I know you like gas cubby and I things do. like that. Yeah. I don't care. I want to fill my car with gas. I don't care what the sure. mileage is. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm going to drive it. I almost think like knowing my mileage is going to prevent me from enjoying the car mm. because so, I won't yeah, I stick my problem. foot in it. I, won't. I don't have that problem. Yeah. I mean, and it depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, data for, let's say, uh, healthcare or mm-hmm. something like that, and you're keeping track, like Fitbits and how many miles I walked. How many of you have Fitbits sitting on the shelf at home? Yes, or yes. Or old pedometers or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. old stuff, the tech that is like, well, the data didn't really do me any good. I have a Nest thermometer, speaking of Google. Okay. And they send me how many leaves I've earned in a month. Oh, are you earning leaves? I'm earning leaves. And, and here's a comparison to the other people in your area. And I can't redeem my leaves for products or exactly. money. Or, exactly. It just shows me how many I earn. And it's just based on their made-up metric system sure, or sure, sure. whatever it is for yeah. their – Well, it's just made-up data and it's just – I'm not into data for the sake of having data points to study it and look at data. And here's all this cool data. Relate it to me. Does does that health information go to my nutritionist and my dietitian to mm, help sure. me lose weight or become yeah. more fit or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah. And they can yeah. use that? Does the car data do something for me? Does this study... Uh, 
what is the point? I, I okay. come back to All this. Right. Well, but, but we're in a world where the only thing that matters anymore is data. We're it is, world, but then know? there's a lot of data just for the sake of, hey, we generated all this data. We know we can track this, but yeah. we don't know what we're going to do with it. Can yeah. it make me money? Yeah. Can difficult. it improve my health, my finances, difficult. my outlook yeah. on life? Yeah. Can I sleep more? Can I, what? Yeah. You know? Well, and I've known multiple people. My wife is one who, who went through the, and look, if you have a Fitbit or a fitness tracker, more power to you. I mean, you may have an Apple watch that does it and it may be greatly helpful for you. My mother-in-law who desperately needs to be active. It's great that she has a fitness counter on her Apple. And, uh, and I, there I is that, but at the I'm same getting a time, lot of mail about, but I have but, one and it's changed my life. But, but at the same time well though, my wife and a few other people I know fell into that head first and got obsessed with it. And quickly realized that it was causing them more more stress because now they were going, I really didn't sleep well last night. And I'm going, did you know that when you woke up this morning? Oh, no, I just didn't realize I slept this badly. Okay, wait, let me stop you. Let me stop you. <laughs> you didn't realize you slept badly? The data told – and now you're concerned? So we had these right, kind of conversations a right. few times. And I honestly was like, if it's helping you, babe, feel free. But after a while, she was like, this is just stressing me out. And I said, that's kind of what I'm thinking watching you. You know, so she stopped. I know a couple other people that have stopped. It doesn't mean it can't be helpful, but you're right. At some point, the data itself is paralyzing. We're now. Yeah. I did not expect this story to lead us off into this tangent. I but it's still either. a fun tangent. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But I thought it was interesting because I come back to this. You know, the the point of the article is what it is how to save money on your current car ownership and keep that going and. Go team. Yeah. We, we, okay. We, we, we were already tri- doing that. We at AAA can insure your car. Aren't you glad you own one? That's actually kind of the bow for the article. Maybe. But anyway. But it's it's apples to oranges because nobody thinks and positions ride sharing in their mind of, I'm going to replace my car. I'm going to sell a car and only take Uber and Lyft. No, That's an interesting point. We think when I'm going traveling, I'm going to take it from the airport or wherever for business trips, for vacations. That's when I use it. I never thought of yeah. i'm gonna commute only with ubers and somebody's gonna make a movie of that just like the super size me films yeah somebody's gonna come out and say i did this and look and i lived a year doing uber and <laughs> wait we're all gonna not care i've got the better i've got the better movie <laughs> it's the bank robbery movie and their getaway car is a different uber and lyft every time <laughs> oh okay you could that there's a film there there's absolutely i could i could almost give you the act structure right now but there is that reality because since you're calling and you're in charge in the bank uh-huh. You leave when the car arrives. How do you track this person? Granted, you track them on their phone. Well, That's how then they get the tracked. cops are going to have a but, receipt because it shows you. Exactly. It picked you up here and dropped you off here. Exactly. We're going to know where you're at. Exactly. And does that make this all those problem. drivers accomplices to your crime? Makes you an accomplice, and now you have to have burner phones. There's strategy right. here, man. you got to get out of the car and either leave the phone in the car or do a burner phone that dumps. Mm. But then you've got to figure out how your data doesn't track you. Seriously, I'm off. I'm writing the script right but now. But those see are you connected guys later. to a credit card. I'll you see can't you guys pay later. cash. Yes, I know. <laughs> this is where data screws us all. Yes. yes. It, I was a perfectly good bank robber, then I took an Uber, and now I've been caught. It's almost a comedy. It really is. It's it like, should be. It's not a serious film. It's like Baby Driver as done by Monty Python in the age of Uber. This is really what it is. I'm gonna, Please I'm make gonna, that movie. I'm going to actually leave now and just go write that for fun. Please yeah, make that exactly. movie. Oh, my gosh. All right, so where are you on this? Where, where does this leave you? I think we beat it to death. I just, Cold? I, 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 I think it's – I'm not surprised this was compared. I'm surprised at the price differential. But I think the, uh, the, I think the thing that also leads to leading away from cars real quick is I think our subscriptions aren't saving us anything in general. We're getting subscriptioned to death. We could talk about the TV thinking, subscription. And, and, and thinking, I got rid of product X – 
mm-hmm. that was a single product, and I'm now subscribing to the stuff I need, and it's going to add up to more anyway. And, and everything's trying to go subscription. I, I love the fact – I know this sounds weird. I love the fact that Final Cut Pro, which I use, Final Cut X, I own it. I bought it once. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't get the, I don't get charged a monthly fee Perpetual for my software. Perpetual licensing, which but yet is that gone. is the software world. Yeah, you know, a- Apple's yeah. talking about the fact that your music on iTunes, you're not going to be able to buy it anymore. I'd like to own it. I'd like to say that's mine. Uh huh. But at the same time, as much as I could rage against the the reality of all of this, there's a ton of stuff that I quote unquote own on Amazon that are movies my sons watched into oblivion that I don't own any of that. Mm-hmm. It's just sure. there's a cloud out there that can play the movie, and I have an account that says that I have a subscription. And by the way, that means you can have access to watch this film. I promise we have car debates coming. Really, yeah. we do. But I, I do. I think this just is further commentary that kind of walks around that reality of we're all going full subscription as min- many places as we possibly can. I don't think it's actually saving us any money. No. It's just moving the money around. No. And, yeah. and I'm in the same mindset with the, you know, I've cut the cable, yet I subscribe to go add it up. Oh, yeah. Your For sure. Amazon subscription, your Netflix, Hulu. Go add all that yeah. stuff up and you think, HBO, wait, all the others that you're chasing. Really How many money. movies am I renting a month? Yeah. Maybe you are. Maybe. Well, but I, it, and it's here's something to watch. I th- here's the thing. I think at the, at the moment, it's possible to be cheaper than cable. We're not talking about cutting the cord, by the way. Uh-huh. I think it's possible cheaper yeah. than cable right now, but I don't think that's going to last very long. No. Because everybody's no. building their own service. The Disney's, the, everybody's getting their own service, and they're all going to charge you a fee. So there you go. But the method of watching TV is still mm-hmm. king. Watching things on your computer still doesn't carry the same gravitas as True. you're on TV. True. You're on this. Well, okay. It, but it's a different headspace. X, Xfinity. Okay. Now I'm really talking cable now. Xfinity. Mm-hmm. Comcast, isn't it? Xfinity that mm-hmm. does, that's yeah. their, does their thing? Yeah, yeah. They just got a deal with Apple and Amazon, and they're chasing, I think they have one with Hulu as well, where you can get those through your Xfinity subscription. As a reason to buy your Xfinity subscription. Because you're used to the simplicity of, I just have this one feed and all the stuff comes from here. And so they have aligned (laughs) themselves with everybody but Netflix, because Netflix is Netflix, in order to get you, I, I, I could be wrong, maybe Netflix is in there too, they may as well be, but that was the whole thing. Xfinity w- did a good job of being the first, I know they're the first to align with Amazon, Interesting. To, to pull these underneath their umbrella, because let's be honest, they are the portal that you want to use for it to be simple, and now you can get to all these streaming service underneath that service. Fascinating, weird <laughs> twist. If only I could unlock my car door with a key. Yeah, well... You know, start it with a key. Wouldn't that be crazy? That'll come back. That'll come back. Yeah, <laughs> you know it is. So we all need to unplug and move to an island and de-stress for three no, weeks, right? I mean, you know, I'm going to go de-stress for at least a full week. But but I'm glad what, we for all, that. what we all want is a really good car that probably open, starts with a key. That's what we really want. <laughs> and and if you really want to go crazy, there's a question coming up. I want to speak to in a little bit. Bit. But if you really want to go crazy, you want a car with no power steering. Wow, you're yeah. saying this in the world of the Lotus. But anyway, should we do a car debate and then come back around, or, or, or are we talking about other stuff yet? I think we should. Well, I, I do want to touch actually on Monterey weekend because oh, yeah. there is a bit of overload right and, now. And you're currently on. there. Yes. I'm currently there. It feels weird to be podcasting, and I'm actually there. Well, there was a question from EST Vicentius mm-hmm. talking about a lot of car journalism going towards the swanky events, talking mm-hmm. only about mm-hmm. the high end cars, talking only about. The things we supposedly aspire to, that yeah. the cars will never be able to afford. And I, I'm guilty right here. I love cars yeah. of all kinds. Well, but you, YouTube success is an exotic car. 
It is. And and it's and Monter- Monterey is the complete overload of that. And if you're listening to this on Friday, the day it comes out, I would like to apologize to you right now on behalf of car journalists everywhere mm-hmm. because it will be impossible until probably Wednesday of next week for you to get any car content that is not somehow based in Monterey and that peninsula. It's going to be astounding, honestly. And I'm excited to go, but my reasons, I can only speak for me because there's so many people there that are... I'll be honest, pretentious and showing off. And it's maybe just for the social part of it or all kinds of reasons. Yeah. But for me, based on my interest in art and design, I want to go to learn. That's how Mm, I learned about car manufacturers like Alva. Never heard of them Mm. before a few Mm. years ago. And then what's this crossing the auction block? I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I'm learning about different, you know, models and variants and all that kind of stuff. But mainly it's to appreciate these objects that people have created to fill what they think is you know their their vision of what mm. a car should mm. be this object that moves and honestly i am more and more shifting early in life i just i didn't want to put miles on a car i didn't want to drive it i didn't mm. want to mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. too precious which does tie into our, our yeah. car debates yeah, yeah. shortly here mm-hmm. to now shifting to all these wealthy people who just collect cars and they just collect dust that's a lot of what Monterey is. And as a matter of fact, yeah. Pebble, yeah. the show itself, celebrates driving the cars. And they go on this tour on 17-mile drive. And if you don't join the tour and you're being judged, and one car went on the drive and yeah. one car didn't, guess one would will win. The it's, one that, yeah. And you have to be able even to... Even though it might break down. Yes, but you have to be able to drive onto the lawn under the power of you the do. car. You can't roll it on. Even the, the weird barn find looking things that... that it's like this whole new era where it's the unrestored is now worth something. Yeah, but you're right. not going to make it run because you got to drive it onto the lawn. Anyway, keep going. I'm working on myself to to drive cars more and enjoy them for yeah. the rolling sculpture that they are, and that's a good why challenge for you. Yeah, I, I love you know the 20s. I love the 30s. I mm-hmm. love all that kind of beautiful artwork and coachwork. But there's they're so perfect. Cars just don't get driven. And it's yeah. really starting to bug yeah. me. I see that. I see but that. I'm going for the influence of, you know, the, the balance between old and new and the influence of new designs trickling okay. down to okay. the cars right. that we can afford. I can't afford that crazy Ferrari, whatever. I can appreciate yeah. it. And I'm, yeah. enthousi- I'm, I'm enthused by it, I guess. Yeah. But then I look for design trends. Infinity and Volvo, the Polestar brand, really interest me. Mm, They're just happening mm. to exhibiting, you know, be exhibiting some new things yeah, there. Yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. really interests me. But of course, it's fun to see history, race cars mm-hmm. driving around that that's not like the one that won the race in 66. It is well, the that, one that won the race. That is the contrast to the Garage Queens. Are you go up and, and show it up at Laguna and the historic races are these guys driving these $15 million cars in a race and tearing off a fender and going, all right, I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. I, but the, the, the thing about Monterey for me personally, and I want to speak to S. Vicentius that wrote into us and everybody else that's in this category, I find it amazing and overwhelming. And, and I want you guys to know that we go just like a lot of you would go, and that is we go as the total everyman. We go, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, some of the events that we get into, we get into only because we have press passes. Because right, what right. it costs to get into that event Astounding. I, I, I need to eat this month. I'm going to either eat this month or go to this event for two it's hours. It's almost a mortgage payment. It's it's shocking some yeah. of the costs of some of the events. Yeah. So because we're able to get press passes, we can go. And we're sharing it because we are, are at this point lucky to have that access. We want to share with you what it's like. But honestly, I walk around most of the events and I just go, 
how is this real life? Because it's not. Oh, it's how not. Is this, no. How is this? It doesn't relate no. to anything real. But, but car manufacturers know this becomes like the epicenter of car world for a week. So you're going to get anybody with any kind of car interest from, from the random people that don't know anything about cars, but have got to give it news coverage to the hardcore. Everybody's looking at this one spot on the globe for three or four days. Mm-hmm. And I will say the thing yeah. I find fascinating, genuinely fascinating about it is you can go and see – Two things there, guaranteed. The car you've always wanted to see and never seen one, it'll be there. <laughs> and a car you've never even heard of will also be there. You'll learn. You'll learn something. Exactly. And I find those two realities completely fascinating and worth going. But I do spend a lot of time going, none of this relates to real life, real car ownership, real budgets. We're operating at a level here where, and I'm not kidding, I, I rented an entire transport to put four cars in that are going to display, but to leave four slots for the cars I'm going to buy mm-hmm. and yeah. one slot for the car I'm selling. And I'm going to fly over in my G6. And if it gets too crowded, I'll just rent a chopper to get from one event to the other. I'm making that up because I know there's a person <laughs> that can check every box that's going this weekend. That's not me. That's not you. That's not really our audience, but it exists out there, and it's on display at Monterey. And you and I were sitting in traffic once. I will never forget this. Sitting in traffic once, stop and go, and next to us was a Ferrari 288 GTO Uh sitting in traffic. Yeah, that was quite astounding. And you just think, I'm on Mars. (laughs) That's that's the other reason it's interesting to go, because Uh you're sitting here going, this will never happen anywhere else. It doesn't. I guess the bottom line for me is, Everything there is the opposite of disposable. And for that, I celebrate Mm. it. It's people who continue to restore cars and bring cars back to life at whatever level. But we're not throwing things away, especially cars, the things Mm. that we love. Mm. Doesn't matter at what cost and what That's an interesting price point. point. But interesting everything point. there is the opposite of disposable. Sure, and sure. it's a celebration of that. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that. And again, back to the design and proportion and art and just learning, seeing yeah. stuff you'll never see. How fun is that? Yeah. And that could be applied to any industry, whether you're in healthcare or nutrition or mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is. I mean, you go to the holy grail of yeah. the event, you know yeah. what I mean? And and you're you're loving it. But well, this is it's, the, it's easy to get overloaded. It is. For sure. And it's easy to get completely disconnected from anything that resembles reality. I mean, I, I, I want to contrast uh, Pebble Beach with the LA Auto Show that we go to every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The LA Auto Show is us walking around and getting in stuff and talking about stuff so we can talk to you guys about it, so we can think about what we want to drive for the next season. This is all the latest and greatest, that kind of stuff. I find it hysterical when any of those displays happen at Monterey because it's like, you're in the wrong venue. This <laughs> yeah. is not buy a car, look at a car reality. This is there's a Lycan Hypersport. And there's uh-huh. 16 uh, Pagani Wiras the one year we were there. 16 of them. <laughs> no. On one – and that wasn't even like the point of the show. It was just in a corner over here at the Quail. Here's 16 Pagani. Wait, what? It's ridiculous. Well, yes. I, I want to – just say one more thing, and that is I love when we discover cars that are low-priced and available mm-hmm. to most people, say a $10,000 car, a $15,000 yeah, car, yeah, yeah. that we didn't know now reach that level. I think that's so much fun. Yeah, it's great. That's pretty it's cool great. to discover. These are now $12,000, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have messed up a little bit with that Fiesta ST. They're not quite 7500 yet, but they're going that way. <laughs> it won't be long. But 10 And to, when they do, then I'll jump back on that bandwagon. 10 to 12 grand in your pocket. Go buy a Fiesta ST. Be happy. Yeah. 
Be happy. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a, a debate here that's not really a debate, but more of a story that, from Michael, and he describes himself as a car snob. He's been mm-hmm. listening to the show for a while. Michael, thank you for yeah. writing in. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. It comes down to the preciousness of things. And yeah. as I was talking about before, you know, aspiring to a particular car, attaining that car, and then not driving and it. And then now what? Yeah, we've had this problem before. And I, yeah. I'm just increasingly wanting cars to be driven and seeing, you know, a high mileage car mm-hmm. and celebrating that, not thinking, Ooh, that's a boatload of problems. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, keep driving it. Yeah, I get to drive. Let's see this. how far you can go before something breaks. Now, yeah, it yeah, might yeah. surprise you. Yeah, yeah. And and just keep that going. So yes, he is uh, he has aspired to an M2 for a long time, and he was able to get one. He mm-hmm. ordered one mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, as a matter of fact, right about the time I did. And yeah. then, of course, you've heard the story. I got a deck yeah. instead. You got a porch. Yeah, which I've been Porsche. enjoying, by yeah. the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's excellent. And the reason he did it was really, it's less about the cars and more about the backstory, but because he actually bought a 97 Miata from his dad, mm-hmm. which is, of course, manual, because his dad couldn't drive it anymore due to health reasons. Well, but he also said that he, he grew up driving BMW E30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His dad's a car guy. And so he just aspired to, when can I buy like the greatest of the greatest M cars? And he's got this M2 now. And he got it in a manual because why wouldn't he? This is this has been his backstory. He bought the the Miata from his dad because his dad can no longer drive stick. But now here's the problem: it's too it's too layered. The mm. two layered problem here. Michael realized one: I so aspire to this car now I don't want to drive it because I'm scared to. It's too precious. And two: the drives I really want to do are sharing this with my dad, and he can no longer drive stick. And I got a stick. Yeah. Yeah. So now the number one places he'd like to drive it, it doesn't make sense. And then the rest of the time he's like, I really shouldn't take the M2 because what if something happened? It sits. Yeah. Well, so he was looking around for a Cayman. And again, this is... With PDK. T- with PDK, yes. Not a manual. So he, his dad's dream car is a 987.2 Cayman. Mm-hmm. With a PDK and something that both of them can love and share and enjoy and drive yeah, together. which is really cool. It is. And I come back to it's less about the car and more about the experience together. Mm-hmm. Agreed with that. Honestly, it doesn't matter that that's his favorite car or not. It's, mm-hmm. I, I like that it is a Cayman, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> well, we're not talking about this because he, he thinks his dad would no. like a Cayman. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about it because he's trying to think about should this M2 go and should I get something that we can enjoy? Yes. And unfortunately, the Cayman that he identified and found and had called on and was set to go by yeah. was sold kind of out from under him. Kind of. A, a little bit. He was you know, getting financing together, getting the money together, and pretty much getting ready to go buy this car because mm-hmm. he'd found it. It was perfect. It was silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved it, checked all the boxes, and then it got sold out from under him. Mm-hmm. And so he's writing and saying, man, I want to share this experience with my dad. I really want to do this. But Which is cool. the perfect car kind of got away. And he's really disappointed. He's really crushed by this. Mm-hmm. And we definitely understand. And he's writing to us and saying, do I sell the M2 and keep looking for the Cayman, keep going? Or do I keep it and then eventually use it to trade it in, you know, from a tax or financial standpoint? What do I yeah. do here? How yeah. do I... And I love that you're really trying to, you've got your dad's interest first in your Mm -hmm. mind, which is That's big here. It's really cool. Michael, there's there's a lot of layers to this. I'm going to see if I can cut through it real quick because I want to give you a couple of things to really ponder. The M2 is not getting driven. 
That's the first thing that's a tragedy here. And I'm, and I'm telling you this right now. If you, if you said, I have a 1M and I'm not driving it, I would say maybe, besides the fact that I... <laughs> You'd come over and drive Besides the it. fact that I would come over and just try to drive it and take it right. from you. Besides right. that, I would say maybe sit on it. Maybe. But your M2 is not going up in value. The longer you sit no, on it, I don't care that you're no. not driving it. The longer you sit on it, they're still making them. They're still depreciating. The longer you sit on it, the less it's going to be worth. I, I Again, that's maybe the most strong financial advice I've ever offered on this show. It is going to continue to lose value. If you sell it tomorrow, it is going to be worth more than if you sell it in three months, period. Yeah. I, because the M2s are just depreciating. They are not a 1M. So I think because you aren't driving it, you said you're actually dailying the Miata. So you have a daily car, and the M2 is sitting, and you're thinking about, should I get a car for my dad and I? And I want to come back to the perfect one that got away in a minute. But I think, honestly, the reason you didn't get the perfect Cayman is because you called the owner and said, I'm going to sell my M2, and I'm coming for your car. And he said, let me know when you've done that. Right. First come, first serve. Exactly. So you need to sell your M2. And put that money aside because you don't have to go buy a car this week because you have a daily. Problem solved. Right, right. Put that money aside and do it sooner rather than later because that car is steadily going to be worth less. Michael, I'm almost talking to me when I'm answering your question here (laughs) because I keep working on me. And it does come down to the drive your car. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. want you to drive and enjoy. And the car that we recommend for you, put miles on it. Go put miles on it. It's It's a hard thing for me to say. I am right there with everybody listening who feels that same way. Like, yeah, I I see the struggle. I get it. I I get it. I'm right there alongside you. And I I work on myself constantly. But I think the M2 should go as well. Mm. It's causing you more angst than enjoying it. Because I'm not hearing in your email, man, I love this car. I'm driving it everywhere. It's awesome. We're doing all this stuff together in it. And I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing it sitting and it's causing me grief and heartache. It's a dream realized that's now a drain, honestly. And for that reason, I say, yes, get the money that you can out of it Mm -hmm. and set that aside. And then I say that there will be more Caymans. There will be more. And I use the Cayman as the insert car here. Totally. The special car that you and your dad can enjoy, whether it's Mm -hmm. a Cayman or Mm -hmm. a Buick or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, but and I would also say that the perfect Cayman discussion here for, that Michael has in the middle of this email, that's that to me is connected to the same headspace that makes the M2 too precious. There is no perfect car. There's not. There's plenty of Caymans out there with PDK. You will find another one that you like. And the great thing is, if you sell the M2 and you put this money aside for this purpose, the next time you find one where you're like, that does check all the boxes, you can buy it right now. Yeah, right. You right. can just you can just go. I'm gonna go You've get got that the money one. ready to but go. But I want to yeah. really encourage you, if you go get a Cayman or whatever, you go get a Cayman that you and your dad are gonna drive. A PDK Cayman, you, you and your dad are gonna drive. I love this story. Make me a promise, Michael. Drive this car. Yeah. Don't yeah, go. It's so perfect. Well, but see, the weather's not great. I have a story coming up in a minute. The weather's not great. <laughs> the, what? What? Well, we can't do it this weekend. But no, 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 no. You and your dad take the time. Take it now. Drive the car. Excellent. Excellent. Michael, we're hoping this helps. I'm hoping your dad's listening to this too. Yeah, and I'm cool. hoping we can find you guys a car. And yeah, if that's the 987.2 Cayman, great. Keep looking. There's more out there. I, I take my dad driving mm-hmm. when he when he visits. He wants to go for a ride in the Lotus on some road that has a speed limit that's going to require me to do about 30. That's his <laughs> comfort level. Me. That's his comfort level. He's just like, I'd like to go for a drive in your fun car. 
here's a neighborhood I'd like to go through, which is kind of like he's looking at the neighborhood and we happen to be in my car. So if your dad wants to go drive, that's awesome. Go embrace that. Have some fun with it. In fact, speaking of Lotus, I have a Lotus lesson real quick. Yes, I was going to say, before we take a break, I want to hear this. So uh, I just got – the Lotus has needed some love service-wise, and the main thing I was realizing it needed is new tires. Okay. It's had these Dunlops on it since I bought it a year ago. I've never really liked them. I've had this experience driving that car hard where I feel like – I'm reaching the edge of the tires, and I shouldn't be yet. Mm. I can tell the chassis has so much more, and the tires are just, I'm going to get a little bit understeer. I'm going to get a little bit of a brake loose. I shouldn't yet. I've been aware of that in the car. And one of my wheels, maybe a couple of them, but one of my wheels for sure had gone out of balance, which on that 2,000-pound Lotus, you may as well have somebody beating on the side of the car. It, it is so obvious. It's kind of dangerous, actually, too. It's crazy it can't obvious. be good for so, control. Um, and... So both of those things, I was like, okay, it's time for new tires. Not only yeah. do I even get them balanced, I'm getting new tires on it. So I've mentioned this before. Lotus, the Lotus Elise is incredibly difficult to buy tires for because it's got a staggered setup. The front wheels are 16s, and the stock width is 195. Yeah. So it's practically a grocery wheel, yeah. like grocery cart wheel, almost. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like a go-kart size wheel. It's like, who makes a tire that small? I mean, yeah. Most people don't. You can get a lot of tires for the rears, but not the fronts. Now, I happen to have... <laughs> really? Yeah, because, because the front is a 17, and it's, it's stock, it's like a 205, 210. So that's a, getting into normal realm of normal tires. Like, okay, so a lot of companies will make something that happens to be big enough for the rear, but they don't make it smaller than so that that funny. would fit on the fronts. 17s even, used to be the big wheel upgrade, and then even, 18s came out and totally. blew our minds. Even the Dunlops that were on there were both the same Dunlop, and I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but there was a slight variation from the front to the rear because of the same problem. Right, right. You can get the stock Yokohamas. You can get the R888s that are essentially a slightly street-legal re- uh, race tire. But I have to drive through weather now and then. Today was an example. So I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> yeah, weather is coming around. It's so actually I happen pretty great. to have a slightly widened stagger on my car. It's a very common stagger, but it makes the front wheels crazy wide. They're now 205s. Are they really? They're 205s. Oh, that's cool. And the rears are 235s. Amazingly... The Firestone Indy 500 tire, Firehawk tires, Yeah, I can get them for all four corners. That is cool. And, and cool. some of you guys have written in, plus I've been on Tire Rack and read the reviews. I've heard very good things about these tires. And look, I looked. PS4s, Michelin, can't do it. Can't do it for all four. I know. You they wish don't you make could. Them small you enough. wish you could, yeah. So yeah. this is my alternative that I went with. Now, there's some good Kumos. There's some Continentals. There's some others that are decent on this car. But I went, I'm going to go with these. Got them on the, the car. Our local folks here, uh, Cox Tire and Auto, they're, they're local people. Oh, they're awesome. Kind of all the yeah. enthusiasts. They did great, great work on the car, which is really cool. Yeah, they pretty much know everybody in town, which is cool. It dri- Every enthusiast, for sure. Every, it the drives enthusiast, better than it has yeah. the entire time I've owned it. And I haven't even had it on a back road. I've had it on a few of my favorite on-ramps, and I can already tell the grip level is totally better. Fantastic. Like, world's better. Fantastic. But today, I happen to need to commute. Yeah. During a downpour. You were caught in it, were you? Were you coming back home? I was coming back this home. afternoon? Up the pass, I-80, standing water, people freaking out. I'm in the Lotus on my brand new tires. And I actually thought, I did have this thought, I am this crazy, I actually thought this would be a good test. <laughs> I actually had that thought, I got to get home either way, this will be a good test. Right, right. And here's the thing, in serious rain before on the Dunlops, there was some hydroplaning going on. I mean, there, there are ways to drive oh, to I'm avoid sure. it, but definitely hydroplaning I'm sure. going on. Not today there wasn't. Glad to hear. Just, I'm cutting through it. 
At least your alarm didn't go off. Yeah, exactly. Look well, on the bright side, it right? It can't anymore. Yeah, exactly. I was just cutting through it. Those Snip. tires were great in the, in the weather, which is the reason I got tires like this and not things like the toy. I wouldn't have gotten home. Wow. On the, crazy. If I'd been on the street legal track tires with the amount of water that was standing, I'd be spinning somewhere currently. Yeah, it's like yeah. flash flood warnings on TV and... You know, downpours and crazy lightning. The and only place I missed, I, I dodged almost a literal bullet, is because about 10 miles north of where I was today, they had, I'm not exaggerating, golf ball hail. And I know no two kidding. or three people who had their cars damaged. Uh, Can you imagine the knife through butter that golf ball hail would be on a Lotus Elise? <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen. And on that note, we've got to take a break. We've been going long. We'll, uh, we'll come right back. Football season's back. If you're into football, you can catch up on everything football with some of the best podcasts right here on Podcast One Sportsnet. Coach Jim Harbaugh hosts the Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast with his father, Jack, and others, and they talk college football each Tuesday. You can also join R.J. Bell on his show, Dream Preview. Each week, he covers all the college and pro matchups. We also have the Dan Patrick Show, the Rich Eisen Show, and Riggle's Picks with Rob Riggle and Sarah Tiana. They help with all of your football needs. Anything you want to know about football, you can find it right here on Podcast One. Everything football here on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do us a favor, rate those podcasts and rate this one too. All right, this is a 30-second commercial and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company's been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, you guessed it, is GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. Hey, guys, I think I've mentioned this before, but I actually used to host a country music station. We have a new sponsor. It's Wrangler Jeans. And I read the copy, and I thought, there's only one way to do this. Deep breath, Wrangler Jeans. You ready? Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. A pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability and applying it to a new line of modern fits and styles. Wrangler jeans are made for the modern-day adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, a price that works for everyone. We've even got vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selections of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear, all for men and women. Wrangler. Denim made for the modern world. That was proper. Yeah. This whole car buying process that Todd and I talk about all the time... You think to yourself, why can a car park itself these days, but we have to drive across town to take a test drive if we want to just try out a new car? You might also be asking, why can we all get approved for a mortgage in lightning speed, but buying a new car takes an entire day? And finally, how can a home test service tell my entire ancestry for the past millennium, but I don't get to see the price and it's hidden from me for a new car until I actually buy it? Hyundai is solving this. They've got the future of car buying here now with their Shopper Assurance Program. They'll give you flexible test drives, test drives that come to you. How cool is that? Transparent pricing for your convenience. You can know what the car's price is. A streamlined purchase process. You don't have to spend the whole day at the dealer. And even a three-day worry-free exchange. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for all the information. That's HyundaiUSA.com for their brand new Shopper Assurance Program. 
Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. You can find a lot of weird and surprising things in cars. I mean, some people have, I don't know, petrified french fries or melted crayons. But one thing that shouldn't surprise you are continental belts. I'll bet you didn't know they're original equipment in tens of millions of FCA, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now Continental is launching an aftermarket line of the Multi-V Belt. It's their original equipment technology series. And Continental has an OE technology series Multi-V Belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. So go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt. It's the belt with original equipment pedigree. You can get the full story by visiting oetechnologyseries.com. Hey, we're back planning for a midlife crisis for Andrew in <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. For a midlife crisis. This is my favorite part of this email. He's an engineer, which means he's planning on it. <laughs> he's planning for a midlife crisis. See, it's on his calendar. It's coming up soon. I planned for it. Here it comes. <laughs> all right. So Andrew's 44. He's married. He's got four kids ranging in age from six all the way to 16. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm planning on my crisis in a few years. It's coming. <laughs> planning for it now. I want to know. So here's oh, his background man. information. He's paying off his house this year. Bravo. And then starting with he and his wife, the perpetual car fund, which he calls this <laughs> the investment fund that it will eventually pay for things like cars paid in cash and weddings. Sounds like you're planning on uh, marrying off all your kids at some point <laughs> with the earnings. So it'll be a few years. So he's yeah. not quite ready. But again, he's in the planning stages for the crisis. He's an engineer planning his midlife crisis. I'm engineering crisis. my midlife That's crisis. That's one of my favorite things ever. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So he gives us a list of cars that we might be interested in, cars that he's interested in. But he does tell us that he drives a Mark V GTI with the DSG 125,000 miles. Yeah. And he has no problem with higher mileage German cars. Great. He does all his own work, but he wants to upgrade to a real car, meaning rear wheel drive, manual transmission. Mm -hmm. And this will be the commute car, 40 miles round trip in mm -hmm. Tucson. So he's... He's in the hot weather year round. Yeah, but he won't have he won't have bad weather to contend with either. No, I think. What's the weather today? Hot, yeah, dry, exactly. hot and dry. It's the future. There is no weather. All right, so it it might be four door. Ideally, might mm -hmm. at least sit for, which means coops are on the table. Yeah, but he said as a family we're not huge people, and they have an Odyssey, and they've got a Honda Odyssey. I want to know if it has the vacuum in it. The cool Honda yeah, Vac. The Honda Vac. Oh, man. Yeah. Did they spend time thinking of that name? Yep. Went to lunch early. All right. <laughs> so the budget is going to be about twenty grand, and he says, I could save longer if needed. So what I'm learning here, <laughs> reading this email, is he suggested cars that are rather expensive for this midlife yeah, crisis. This, I'm sorry, but the 20 20K, grand the 20 does, K not, K does not equate with the things he's looking but at. But I think he's starting at the twenty grand as he's planning over the next few years. To get there, do you think the twenty grand is the current nest egg and it's I only think, growing? You I may be right. I think that's you where it's at right. now, yeah. and then get rid of that uh, GTI. And, 
and then we'll see where we're at for the budget. And there's the part of me that says, why talk about this until he needs to do it? But, however, our friend Andrew is a planner, so we aren't talking about exactly. it now. We don't even get on the schedule for the planning that he's doing for the midlife crisis for the car to. buying that he's going to do in two years. Exactly. If we tell him in two years what car to buy, we're not on the list yet. We've got it's to engineer it now. We've got to get into the discussion right Make now. Make a plan, stick to the plan, execute the plan. Honey, this midlife is crisis plan. is happening in April. Brace yourself. It's going <laughs> it's going to be horrible, but I'm going to buy a fun car. Yeah. Does she do the same thing? Honey, we're having a kid. I'm having a C-section. Here's the birth <laughs> the birthday of the kid. You know, but see, this is but <laughs> this is coming, honey. this is the glory of a C-section. You can put it on the calendar like a lunch date. <laughs> Family can come in one o'clock this day, kid. It does gonna help happen. with flights for It's going to happen. It's just, yeah. It simplifies the whole process. She could get right back at you there, Andrew. Be careful. Anyway, yeah. All right. So he's looking at cars, and he names sedans, E90 BMW 335i manual, mm-hmm. Audi B8, the B8 Generation S4 manual, mm-hmm. or Mercedes-Benz C63 AMG, the 6.2 liter Obviously, only an automatic. And he's de- and those he's dealing in used, and theoretically, those are around the 20K. But then he gets into the actual midlife uh-huh. crisis question. And I feel, like, I feel like he's looking for justification. I feel like Andrew's going, should I go this far? It, it's almost like a, you're asking for permission. Uh-huh. The GT350, mm-hmm. a 997.2911 Carrera S manual, yep. or a BMW M2. You see how the two podcasts relate, do you not? Yes, I do. But here's the thing. Andrew, it's like explaining the joke, right? Andrew, here's the thing. If you're going to have a midlife crisis, especially a planned one, don't do this halfway. <laughs> don't buy an E93 series. That's not a midlife crisis car. Come on, man. A, 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 yeah. a B8S4 is great. That is the I didn't have a midlife crisis and I got a kind of cool car. Car. Yeah. We got it. We got to go. We got to embrace. I've got I've got 3 I want to mention and I've got Actually, three wilder cards I want to mention. Oh, excellent. What kind of budget are you looking at? I'm looking right down the barrel of that GT350 or that 911 or M2 and going, we're spending the better part of 50 grand because that's all those cars are. I was going to say 50, 60, somewhere yeah, in there. I mean, once you bring up those cars, I know you mentioned 20K, but we're, you're clearly a part of you. is There's a tickle in your brain for more money here. So well, yeah. let's, let's do it and right. And it's an investment fund. Let's do it so right. Theoretically, it'll be about yes. 50 by then, maybe. Andrew, I went in three different directions. Okay. I thought, all right, I'm with Todd. If you're going to do this, if we're going to plan for something crazy, <laughs> come on. Let's, you know. Planning for crazy, kids. Brace yourself. <laughs> kids, look away. I don't know what your dad's doing. Put on your crazy T-shirt. We're having crazy time. this way before. Yeah. Friday night, 8 o'clock, crazy time. (laughs) All right. So the first is maybe a sedan, maybe an E39 M5, maybe on Mm. the cheap end, an E36 four-door, the M3. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Inexpensive. Practically the disposable uh, Lindelof Chrysler. And the reason this stuck out. You could drive it and then drive it off a cliff. Well, you could. You could. I'm looking at this because you said, I'm used to doing my own work. I Mm kind of like it. And Mm -hmm. you've got the proclivity for it. Mm -hmm. All right. So that means... Maybe a 1987 M6. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, I want to give you permission. The midlife crisis car can be the thing you've always wanted. It Agreed. doesn't have to be the track car, the race car, the super duper crazy wedge shaped car. Totally. It could be a boat. If it is a boat, we applaud your boat. Yeah, sure, sure. And by that, I mean a large Cadillac or a Buick yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that, a land yacht. A, yeah, yeah. Something that is just, I liked it because it was a the 62 Lincoln Continental. It's got the suicide doors or whatever. Yeah, if, yeah, it's, yeah, totally. if that is your midlife crisis totally. car, bravo. 
bring it. Yeah. We like that. It doesn't always have to be the the nimble focused Twitter laptop. True, have to be that that's, at all. That's true. That's possible. That's possible. But if you get the sedan, that leaves a gaping hole. And I thought, well, what about something oddball? Mm. Since you're a builder, how about a cool kit car that you make as your Ooh. own? Ooh. Because for you, I think buying would be kind of unsatisfactory. You you That's need something. You need okay. something to do with your hands. Okay. And by the time the kids are, well, the first two kids might be out of high school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're going to want to... Maybe they build alongside you for a few years. Maybe it's a family project and then culminates in this thing that matches your calendar and the year, there you go. whatever there it you is, go. Yeah, yeah. as a kit car. So over time, you're investing over time instead of saving up and buying or just parts at a time. And mm. it's, it's this mm. thing growing in the garage, like a Generation 3 Factory 5 Type 65 Coupe. Oh, Holy That's cow. a good call there. Let's build one of those. That's the Daytona, right? That's the Daytona Coupe. That's interesting because my brain was starting to wonder that oh. direction too with what you're saying. That's a, Those are cool. Those are really cool. If you, if you want to build, they're awesome. Andrew, here's where I said that because at SEMA show last year in Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd and I saw one at the booth built by a guy and, mm-hmm. and Factory 5 said, hey, can we put it in our booth? He was a former Navy pilot mm-hmm. and the gear lever was his... Yoke from from yes. the airplane. I think it was the flight. F-18? It was the flight stick. Yeah, from a fighter plane was the gear stick. It's like you made it your own. How cool is that? Yeah. And everybody just slobbered all over this Here, car. Here's the thing: I would great. have never done that. But when you read the history of the owner and the car, you went, "I see it." It was like this I matte totally see gray bronze yeah. paint. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. very fighter jet. Yes, and next to it was great. the one that looked like it would have been the concourse winner at Pebble right. in the classic Daytona livery that looked. <laughs> right. You had to like look at it close and be like, "This really is a kit, isn't it?" Those were kit. side by side. So one was totally custom, but still very cool and total fighter jet, and the other one was like, "Wow, you, this is a this is a real one." No, it's not a real. No, that's a kit. And the kit means you can go drive it and enjoy it. Yeah. Keeping yeah, yeah. with the theme, it's not the original one of six Daytona Coupes. <laughs> don't ever drive it. Put it in the hermetically don't, sealed don't bubble. On it. What are you doing? Don't go to that garage. That's for just for the Daytona. You can, you can get rock, rock chips. Uh-huh. You can go like drive it. that I car. Like it. But if you want something that's just going to run, okay. I still come back to a really nice Acura NSX. Ooh. Because if it's something that puts Good. you off from... I guess, uh, oh, I don't want to put miles on it, or uh, that thing's going to break, or it's going to wear out a component. Yeah. It's not the NSX. Go put no. a bunch of miles on it. <laughs> Go get a nice one, like the, the 04, 03, sure. somewhere in there, the early 2000s ones. Honey, I'm are... taking the Honda. Ah, it's a Honda. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. That's really, really varied from you. Let's go really, have a midlife really crisis, I, huh? No, see, this let's is, go this cannonball is where, into this that. This is where plan. you and I are totally on the same page for Andrew. <laughs> if we're gonna certainly, if we're going to take the time to Ned Flanders plan our midlife <laughs> exactly. crisis, and, and Andrew, I say that with love because my father is Ned Flanders. I don't know when they discovered my dad to make him the model, but he is. So Funny. if we're gonna plan, and he's also an engineer, so we're gonna plan a midlife crisis. Let's go there correctly. Yeah, and that's a two-seater, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Okay, but uh, got look, the Odyssey I'll, with the I'll Honda. I'll speak back. to the three that you brought up. You brought up the GT350, the 911, uh, the Carrera S. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so the 997, which is prior gen to the current, and the M2. So we're talking 50 grand cars. Okay, I'm going to spin your list and say, look, I like the 997. They're all great. Excellent I like choices. the 997. Very solid choice. I actually think it's a little too obvious. I like it. You'd like it. 
you'd keep it a long time. Sure. That's the thing about a midlife sure. crisis car. Maybe you're finally able to embrace the fact you've always been a car, car guy. Maybe it, it starts your real car love and you own 15 cars between now and when you can no longer drive at the age of 100 and who knows what. Okay? Sure. It could be the beginning. I feel like some guys buy a crazy car for midlife crisis and go, that's not me. And two years ago, get rid of it. And I go, why not keep driving it? Anyway, so 911 works. Is this factored into the plan, Andrew? Yeah, 911 works. But, but here's, here's my actual list. GT350 is a great one. Fantastic attitude. I would say go R. Just embrace it and go with the R. Yeah. The used one, love it. Should the be C for crisis, right? I'm having a crisis. The 997 is, is good. Don't do the BMW M2. Do the 1M. Yeah, I could see and that. And please get it in orange. Yeah. Let's just color. go there. Yeah. Let's just go there. Like it. Those are my quote-unquote normal midlife crisis cars. And then I came up with three that are just <laughs> like, let's just really embrace it. All right. Let's get a running the start most, into the crisis. The most normal of those three, most normal, is the Lotus Evora S. Okay, sure. It's normalish Because it looks like a crazy spaceship. You actually have a 2 plus 2. It's going to run. It's Toyota components. Mm-hmm. Sure. It checks like every it. box. I like if it. If you want to really go there, just go ahead and get red. Done. But the two that everybody's going to be like, you really did plan your midlife crisis, <laughs> are the Corvette C7 Z06. Oh, get yeah. Get to use one of those for fifty grand and realize you will never need all that power and you have it anyway. Yeah, dental records won't happen. It's, they it's they won't fantastic. matter when you, you know, hit the bridge button. They're so fast. It's, it, it's fantastic. And the other one is the Porsche Boxster Spider from 2011. Oh, that's great. That's Come great. on. Come on. The Boxster Spider, it weighs less than 3,000 pounds. It has no actual roof. You got no roof. You got this little bikini top thing that kind like of fits it. and it covers because you suddenly had a flash rainstorm. That's so perfect. And I, I submit to you, Andrew, never met your wife, have no idea what she's like. You haven't mentioned a thing. I suspect she'd like that Boxster Spider. Yeah. Just you're going out to dinner. The kids are old enough that the older ones can take care of the younger ones. Kids, we're going out. We're taking the Boxster. Good, good night. Yeah, we both Bye-bye. shied away from the four doors because Mid, because I'm sorry, but midlife crisis car is not a four-seat, four-door car. Your mom and I are going. We're done. Bye-bye. We're out. Call See your ya. friends. Go <laughs> to your friend's house. Yep. We're gone. Look, they're in third gear by the end of the driveway. They've left. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, hope that hopefully that helps. If we're going to plan really a midlife do. crisis, we're going to plan it well. Yeah, we're going to both feet. All right, Andrew. You've got uh, you've got some thinking to do. We've got questions. Man, we're running out of time here. Mm-hmm. We've got a great topic Tuesday that I want to get to a little bit later. It's about the driver's license issue. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking about talking about it, but I think that we should. Like I said, make it uh, Tuesday. I agree. I love that. Andrew love H. That. on Facebook asked, how many kids would you have to have to get a minivan? <laughs> we'll talk to Andrew, uh, who just wrote into us. He's got four mm-hmm. in the minivan. And uh, he said Paul Walker got one after his first kid, but I think he caved in too early. But see, that's a, that's a eh. Fast and Furious joke. That's, yeah. a, that's a writer's room joke. That's the thing about it. That is yeah. a writer's room joke right there. Because those scripts are written by far too many people. And so somebody is doing the writer's room joke that the guy that is the extreme guy that only has crazy cars, he has one kid and he buys a minivan so they can get that laugh out of that scene. And it's a cheap laugh. It is a cheap laugh. But it's Fast and Furious movies. We're not really talking about a lot of depth. Uh, Having (laughs) said that, I would say that it has to be more than three kids. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you can be dedicated at three kids in the back of most sedans. Sure. Expeditions exist, though. 
Uh, no, I agree. No, but I'm saying he's he's asking questions about have to. Have oh, to. Have like to. when do you really need something? It's when you need more than two rows. That's when the minivan should really come into conversation. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's the answer. You, you're right. You could go three-row uh, SUVs all day long, and we would recommend it. It's a Mazda it. CX-9. It exists. Yes, but, and, but here's the thing. We have used minivans on shoots, and they're fantastic because you're chucking Pelican cases at the well, car from yeah, across the parking lot. crammed full of gear. It's amazing. So if you have a ton of stuff to carry, or you have two kids and a ton of gear and your 200-pound dog, okay, minivan time. <laughs> but you have to be in a world where— Please send photo of 200-pound dog. No don't, because I don't <laughs> want to be attacked by that thing. But anyway, but here's the thing. It has to be a world where you're already realizing you need, not want, need three rows— then they come into the conversation. Yeah, I could see that. Two don't need the minivan. Three, yeah, four, four. Yeah. I'm going to push on that, say four, because then you can really say, all right, had to cave. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> man, oh, man, so many. Uh, Staten Aiton Staten uh, wrote in on Facebook and said, do we ever get recognized in public? We have on a few occasions. I will tell the story very quickly. The the worst slash best place that happens is airports because we're walking along side by side. Yeah, true. So that's true. where it happens. I will tell this story on Chance, who a couple years ago we were going out <laughs> to do the Focus yeah. RS shoot that was part of season one. We were doing out the Focus RS shoot. And Chance happened to mention, like like at the airport in Salt Lake, in passing, do you guys ever get recognized? Because he, at that point, had never seen it happen. Right, right. It, it happened five times on that one trip of three days. It's great. It was airports. It was on the It was on the shoot. It was all over the place. To mm-hmm. the point that when it happened the last time, we were sitting in a little corner of a nothing restaurant in one of the LAX terminals, and a guy rolled his roller bag over with his wife following along. Why? What are you doing? Rolled over the corner of the restaurant on purpose and went... Are you the guys from Everyday Driver? And his wife looked over his shoulder like, who are these idiots? So, and, and so, so when he walked away, Chance literally looked at the two of us and went, okay, I get it. <laughs> it was like the final rub Seriously. it in your eye kind of thing. Yeah, It's not that common, but it does happen. There was a guy who uh, we got off an airplane, and I, I think I got off and was waiting for you, yeah. you know, just coming up the jetway. Totally, yeah. And then a guy behind us walked up and said, hey, guys. Love the show, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, wow, cool. Thanks for saying something. I, I, I always, always like hearing that. I honestly really like it when it happens, but it is a total thing that you can never anticipate because it just mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere. And and I feel like nine times out of ten when it happens, my brain is so somewhere else that the fact that somebody just walked up and knew who I am, I kind of have to sit there and go, why do I know you? Oh, that's right. I get it. Okay, so that happens. Well, there's a question here that I think uh, you wanted to touch on as well from Ken Arf on Instagram. Two-part question here. First of all, how would we compare and contrast our earliest work way back in the late 2000s versus now? And he said, I think you guys are a lot less snarky now. Well, maybe on camera we are. (laughs) Depends. Depends on the car. (laughs) It depends on the car, certainly. But I I think we had to get that out of our system to get to where we're at to, I think, give more balanced commentary. Yeah. But there's still some things... There's things that are said that hit the edit room floor, the cutting room floor, I'll say, that that get get left out because we think, well, does that really need to be driven home? Does that point need to be made? Depends. Sometimes not so much. It might get said, but maybe it doesn't, (laughs) you know, get out there. And then the second part of the question here is, he says, aside from the content that we make for Velocity, Mm -hmm. would we both consider doing some vlogs or POV content for YouTube? Or do we both have anything against that type of content, or is it just a bandwidth issue, and meaning just from everything else that's going on this in our is, lives? This is actually a great question. There's, there's, brace yourself for the next hour uh, rant. No, <laughs> seriously. Um, the the easiest part of this answer is that it is a bandwidth question. 
If I'm going to spend time on the show, yeah, it's going to be for the high-end stuff, the feature film that we're about to shoot, the more TV episodes, that kind of stuff. That's the primary thing. But but here's the secondary part, and I want to I want to let you guys in to kind of like fly on the wall backstory of a conversation Paul and I had not that long ago. And Paul said something to me that really resonated with me, and it took a while for me to get here. And I want to walk you guys mm. through to this conversation. We have been on YouTube longer than most. We've been on YouTube at this point for <clears throat> 11 years. It's crazy to think that. Okay. Which means we are never going to be at this point, it's clear, on the right side of the algorithm. We're the old guys. Okay. We right. are the old guys. We're not the new thing. There's no, it's not happening. Okay. Over the course of the first probably eight or nine years, think about that, eight or nine years of being on YouTube, Sheesh. we chased the shiny object if we knew what it was. Oh, we should be doing that. We should be doing this. We should be doing more of that. We should do more of this. I can't even tell you the number of sleepless nights and stress and that kind of thing, trying to figure out how do we do something that will make the YouTube reality take off. And I, I, I can't explain this to you. I don't know the reasoning, but I will tell you the truth of it from, uh, from our perspective. Anytime we chased what we were told or understood or had learned as to what YouTube wanted from our channel, it didn't make a difference in yeah. overall viewership, in growth of subscribers, for whatever reason, we are on the periphery of that world. For, and I'm not even going to speculate as to why. I don't know why. And, I don't, it, and it's exactly that. It's speculation. We don't know. But, but one point you said in passing, and this has been in the last probably 18 months, you said you were tired of chasing YouTube. You were tired of trying to, to oh, if we just do this, then. And I was struck by the metaphor of it's that person you're, tr you're desperately trying to get to date you. And they're never going to. Yeah. So we're not leaving YouTube. There, there. I, I keep saying this because I really did struggle with season three, post-wise. Mm -hmm. But we do have a lot of fast blasts in the can and coming that are very cool. There's actually a lot of stuff coming to yes. YouTube, as a matter of there fact. There will be fast yeah. blasts all the way through the winter. I'm very excited about that. We've got some good people helping on edits. All of that's really cool. So that content will continue. But at this point, we have freed ourselves from worrying about YouTube. And I have to tell you, it's healthier for us. It genuinely is. Very much so. It's, it's yeah, like you said, it's along the lines of, you know, please love me. Please love me. You know, <laughs> we're doing everything we can, and it doesn't work out the way we want it to. And it's still a mystery. And some people can't explain it. It's like the headspace of marketers trying to create, let's go do a viral video. Let's yeah. make minute, a viral video. You can't control you're it. you're planning a viral video. You can't. You I can kind of guess, and it's going to be somebody gets you know, whacked and, you know, something funny happens. Okay, maybe, but you, you can't plan that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we kept coming back to the realities of, of vloggers. And like you said, the, the shiny, brand new, exotic, crazy money sports mm -hmm. car. That's great. Mm -hmm. I can't afford it. You can't afford it. We want to do something that relates, that's relatable. And I actually just had this conversation with uh, West Coast Communications Manager of a major automotive company. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. called and said, hey, what can I do for you guys? And friend, was, friend of ours, yeah. Just man floored. Of the show. Very cool. I was floored. And I, I said, man, you know, we're actually covering a lot this season. We've gotten in some stuff. And thank you. And I, I kind of, we had that conversation. I said, we do have a foot in both camps. We yeah. have a lot of YouTube stuff coming, but yeah. it's not dominating our headspace. It's, mm -hmm. we want to bring a lot of platforms out there, but relatable content. And I, I keep coming yeah. back to that, you know, from a $10,000 car all the way to, do we want to drive that fun stuff? 
Yes, yeah. but life is not drifting Ferraris and McLarens past camera lens. Well, and views on views, man, as I lean out of the side door of somebody oh, else's car and oh. talk about, you know, the Bugatti that we just did, I don't know, whatever, too. And I just, I, look, that is what goes on YouTube, and that is couldn't be farther from who you and I are. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. And we like the fast blast because we end up shooting for a couple hours, which is still, let's be honest, for straight up YouTube content, too long. But uh, but that stuff for us, but, but <laughs> too long and still too. But looks it's too good. But it's our flavor, and we do what we do, and it is relatable cars, and that's not the YouTube thing. So okay. Yeah. Season four is coming. Season three exists. Yeah. It's, we'll be coming for the end of the year. That's, it's all about model. Yep. It's about a balance, honestly. Yeah. There's there's the exotics that we want to drive and apply the same kind of headspace that we do to every car, and that mm. is, forget that badge. Yeah, you like it. Yeah. Should you even spend your money on that two hundred thousand yeah. dollar thing? If you had two hundred grand, should you buy this car or not? Or a really nice vacation <laughs> and a Hyundai Sonata. And <laughs> no, not a Hyundai a house Sonata. Come on, or something. You know what I mean? You do better though. than that. I take your point, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other questions here? We've got so many. Uh, I want to get to them all. We need to spend another podcast just doing questions. We do need to just do questions. Here, here's, I've got a couple more that I really want to cover. Legend continues real quick. Uh, this is a great question. This is a great question that I think proves our lack of bias. Okay. Crazy. All right. His question is, uh, how do we deal with the loss of feel in modern cars, modern sports cars? And oh. it calls out two we recommend. Oh. The two series has pretty numb steering. Yeah, I did the see this question. The GTI yeah. Golf R is very numb, driven by wire. So he's going, how on earth are we able to recommend cars like this? Mm. And how do we reconcile the fact that there's less involvement in modern cars? He feels like those two things don't don't equate. If we're talking about involvement, how can we recommend cars like this? This is a great question I want to speak to on two parts. Look at what I drive. Mm-hmm. From a personal perspective, I drive a Lotus Elise. And I know this car is not for 98% of people out there. Sure. But I love it because that's what steering should be like. And you have said to me more than once, you're like, you'll lean over and be like, stop it. (laughs) It's not a Lotus. I want to make that t-shirt. Not everything's a Lotus. And, and, And you're right. But see, that speaks to why we recommend these other things. Because what's happening is... The technology in the cars are moving on. Do I like electric steering racks? In general, no, I don't. But they're here. They exist. They're not going away. No, no. So you get up, you get in cars like the current Porsche lineup or, believe it or not, on the cheap end of the spectrum, the 86 chassis, where an electric steering rack is done very well. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it as good as my no steering rack mid-engine 2,000-pound Lotus Elise? No, it's not. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> The average person that is an enthusiast, that has a real commute and a normal life, they're going to enjoy driving a 2 Series. They're going to enjoy driving a Golf R when they sit in traffic. They don't want to be in an Elise. I get it. I understand. That's why these get recommended, because I understand that the whole industry is moving on, and if you're a person that is willing to do the spectrum of sacrifice, the sacrifice is required to get the old feel, you're in the minority. Yeah, for sure. I come back to... Precision versus feel. I don't. You like this more than I do, but yes. I don't need to feel the wheel jiggle in my hands over every little tiny rock and bump and ripple in the pavement and groove. I don't need that. That doesn't you tell me more information about the car. <laughs> you and I so disagree it here, but doesn't. yes. <laughs> the precision of the wheel does. I know. I see that. It. Like I said, 
you know, when you hit a bump stop and the wheel jerks in your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, very communicative steering. Does every car need to feel like that? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not everything's a lotus. Yeah, I know. I know. You and I so disagree here. It's it's a great feeling. It's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It depends on what the car is used for and, and yeah. what you want to live with. Totally. What, what's your level totally. of tolerance? Or mm -hmm. But I come back to precision for every car. Yeah. yeah I yeah. want that. I crave precision because yeah. that's my line. That means that comes down to on a track, mm -hmm. the speed that I can go and on the on-ramp it comes down to that yes yeah. do i want feel out of that too yes but do i want it to be so grating and mm -hmm. so constantly jiggling and bouncing and vibrating in my hands all the time not really <laughs> i i honestly say this at one point in my driveway i drove over a zip tie and felt it i'm not exaggerating i drove over a zip tie i saw because i happened to see it behind my car in the driveway and I backed my car up and as I was backing my I wasn't even thinking about it I was backing my car up and I went there's the zip tie oh my gosh I just felt it it's crazy wow this is not for 90 like maybe 99.5% of people I was gonna say 98 is pretty generous there's a lot of great cars out there that the modern tech just means they're more distant well okay it's weight over the front wheels you, you don't have any weight over your front wheels yes zero and the Cayman's gas tank is up front True. <laughs> That's why it has more weight than yeah, the Lotus. True. Fair point. Fair point. The battery's up there, too. This actually speaks directly to Alan's question on Twitter. Uh, sorry, Adam's question on Twitter. Adam asked, what are the weights cars are considered light and nimble or average weight or heavy? He's asking. Now, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule here, but I'll give you my perspective. Again, crazy Lotus driver here. But he's saying, we keep talking about get into small, lighter cars, have that experience. So he's going, so tell me what that range is. What's a light car? Mm. Again, going back to older cars, to the question we had prior from Legend Continues, older cars are lighter. But let's just talk fairly modern cars. Okay. Okay? Right. Cars from the last 10 years. This is not hard and fast, but this is my general rule. Any car under 3,200 pounds is a light car. Fiesta ST is 25, 2700. The Miata is 2400. The Lotus is 2000. The uh, Boxster Spider I mentioned is 2800. Your uh, Cayman is right at 3000. Mm -hmm. These are all yeah. light cars. Very much so, yeah. Okay. 32 to 36, that's an average weight car. By that point, you're talking everything from the Vet to the Camaro, the uh, the Mustangs, they're all in this world. Okay? <laughs> Nissan GTRs are close to four. Exactly. Heavy cars are 38 and above. Yeah. Okay? Well, I mean, you're looking at cars that ca that are a better part of 4,000 pounds. The Camaros, a lot of the Camaros are up there. The the Nissan is every bit of 4,000. The Hellcats are 4,400 or something insane like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all your SUVs, by and large, are 30, I'm talking even five-seaters, are typically about 3,600 pounds and heavier. Yeah, that's a good range. I like that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, one more question for me here. Mark B says, what are our thoughts on the new Subaru Ascent? I know three-wheel crossovers aren't our thing. No, but if we recommend it for the right person, absolutely they are. They for are. somebody, yeah, for sure. And he said, you would have think they would have learned from the Tribeca. We were just talking about the Tribeca the other day and what a experiment that was yes. for Subaru. While they're doing their, what was it, their, their winged whatever attempt at a grill. Wow. All right. Well, the Ascent is, um, it's still the small Subaru proportions on a large Chevrolet kind of envoy type of vehicle that wants to compete in the marketplace, 
but the proportions are still too small. The <laughs> wheel arches and the wheels sure. okay. it I makes it look kind of kind of off. And you look at it and you think, eh, what's what 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 don't I like about that? <laughs> what's not working here? Something's not quite right. It's the <laughs> weird proportions because they continue with okay. small details on increasingly large cars because they mm. know the large cars are selling. Yeah, yeah. But it's that Subaru. I, I think you know we want to be small and light, and nimble, and you know all that kind of stuff. They're they're still trying to do that and put that on increasingly, like I said, larger cars. Mm, good approach. I like that. It makes it look funny. They're, yeah, the lips are too small on your car. <laughs> well, the you, eyes are too small. You hate the small eyes because of LED lights now, and everybody's getting eyes are getting too small. I, I do see that. Yeah, it gets fussy. Uh, one question that's also a bit of business, and I think I'm done at that point for the night. Uh, old Bacano on Facebook said, if I'm going away, I, Todd, am going away for a week. What happens to the podcast? Fear <laughs> not, my friend. Next week will be the Paul and Chance show. You guys are going to do a Monterey debrief, which will be an every man's Monterey debrief. It is. And you're going to do a normal podcast as well. Yep. I'll have Chance with me on the podcast. Looking forward to that. And definitely our mindset, of course, is to enjoy everything there. But it's certainly to still really relate to the show. And, and what did we take away? What's coming in the future as mm. far as this kind of thing is going to trickle down to affordable cars? And like I said, Polestar intrigues the daylights mm. out of me. Infinity and what they're doing and where they're taking that brand is really intriguing to me. And I'm excited for you to do some design discussion on the podcast and on camera, too. I mean, I will learn from that for sure. It'll, it'll be fun. And then uh, we'll be back to a regular car debate, uh, the podcast after that. And then, man, a lot of September stuff coming our way. You'll be back. And uh, it'll be crazy, but a lot of fun. I'm, I'm constantly intrigued by learning new things. Yeah. If you meet somebody that says, well, I kind of know everything about cars, they're lying. <laughs> well, it is that whole ridiculous adage, but it's true. The more you think, you, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know what you don't know. Or I keep going. The right way to there's put stuff that. I don't know. It's oh, amazing. there's so much. There's so it's much. great. Yeah. Guys, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Keep writing car debates to everydaydrivertv at gmail.com mm -hmm. or on the website, and that's where you can find all the details about the mini raffle, the Utah meetup, the there. seasons on Amazon, mm -hmm. Vimeo, Velocity, and contact us under the About tab on the top right corner where it says Contact. Love to hear from you. Hope you have a great weekend. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? <laughs> I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.